No, get those lights off. Off. Chocolate, chocolate chip. Well, that hurts my feelings. Please clap. The hypocrisy of hill critters, that is the subject of today's episode of Pardon the Disruption. I'm the acting speaker of the pod, Tyler Williams, and I'm joined by our red tape wrangler, Luke Hogue, and the fake news ambassador, Peter Vicenzi. Gentlemen, uh, you paid attention to Twitter at all this week. Um, everyone was melting down over AOC's dress that she wore to the Met Gala. Um, of course, it was a say it's a really pretty dress, but you know, on the back of it, it was emblazed, tax the rich, which of course is incredibly hypocritical given the fact that only the rich go to the Met Gala. I thought it was uh, kind of hypocritical because she ripped off of Chick-fil-A and seeing as she's very opposed to Chick-fil-A and everything they stand for, I don't think she should have been wearing that dress. What do you think, Luke? I, I, I you know, the idea of even putting that on a dress in the first place is ridiculous enough, but wearing it to the Met Gala, of all things, is just, it's really indicative of, of where progressive politics is in America today. Because you, what you see there is this was all a messaging stunt. And I think, it, you know, it, if her whole goal was to get on, on social media and to rile everybody up and go viral, I guess she succeeded in that. Um, but it went the opposite direction. Everybody really sees that hypocrisy going on there. And now it's just being completely co-opted. That, you know, when you run and you campaign and your entire platform of progressiveness is based on uh, being with the people and being, you know, from this low class upbringing. Uh, and then you're rubbing shoulders. She's a bartender. She's a bartender. Uh, and then you're rubbing shoulders uh, with every rich person in New York at a $30,000 uh, uh, ticket event. You know, I think it's just it's a slap in the face to your entire platform. But not it, like, but but not only just that. It's the, the fact, fact that everyone in the room agrees with you. Like all of these people are super woke progressives. So even if she said she was there to send a message to the rich, they all agree with you. So like, what? They agree and they don't care. Exactly. <laughs> like the, it's part. not a. It's like it just it's goes not, through the motions. Right. And then. You know, just go hang out with them. I mean, like, like you're not right. offending anyone in that room when, by doing something like that. If she, if she, if she actually cared, she wouldn't go hang out with those people. She wouldn't right. go to an event like that. But she obviously doesn't care because, you know, she's, you know, she, she came from a, you know, a, a privileged upbringing. You know, she got to go to BU mm -hmm. for apparently a worthless economics degree, and, you know. There's been too much going on there. With just, there's all sorts of things we could have made fun of, though, with the Met Gala. I mean, some of these oh. other outfits were awesome, but they even had the classic, just like mask hypocrisy going on. That uh, was that was the other part that yeah. I really wanted to bring up yeah. is that you know, she in particular was there talking about being for the workers and all of this and that. But there's this one, the I think it's the iconic photo of the night of, of AOC where you just see this row of like these sad workers that are all masked and they have their heads down but everyone else like all the rich people in the room the bourgeoisie as AOC would classify them as are the ones that are running around unmasked you know just having a grand old time while literally the they're being the back, exactly you know, like, the oh, servants okay. are masked and they're the ones that are like carrying around it's it's beyond ridiculous. I mean, to put it in uh, the, the other side's terms, not only are all these hyper rich people literally killing grandma in right. and the Met, you know, at a big like uh, uh, big Met party cabal thing, mm -hmm. 
uh, all throwing money around and not uh, redistributing that wealth, they're not wearing masks either. Right. <laughs> well, I think it's just it, it's just another example that, that power corrupts, right? That the issue here is one that it's an absolute falter of a messaging point. You're 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 trying to get on get get your point across, but you're doing it in the exact wrong way. And it's a, the apparent juxtaposition between what you're saying and what you're doing mm -hmm. is right there. But I think the other point that has been uh, floating around on the internet about this is that, you know, the only way that the that anyone really so the whole point is they're trying to completely break the system and they're trying to you know to take from Game of Thrones they're trying to break the wheel and change everything right. right. But, it's almost as cringe as that last season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> but. But the end goal of that is you, you have to rub shoulders with the very people that you claim to be against. And then you end up getting completely co-opted. And that's what you were saying earlier about how, you know, it, it'd be one thing if this was a, a real protest and this was a real, like, uh, you know, uh, shoving it in their face and really trying to get at these, these rich people in New York. But that's not what happened. Instead, what happened is all these rich people started taking their pictures so that they could virtue signal and they could say that they saw AOC and that they were there with her and they're they're right along with her, you know going along with this progressive messaging. But at the same time, you can't you can't do both. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing here. That you know this this whole message has been completely co-opted and completely ruined by the fact that that's what they were trying to do. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of optimistic that this all happened. I'm not angry at all that they, mm -hmm. you know, this, all this is kind of funny, uh, because, you know, it kind of shows that our country is not headed towards anything terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, if the so-called Marxists in our country are out there, you know, hobnobbing and, they, you know, talking to people, talking with literally the bourgeoisie. I mean, right. can you imagine uh, Lenin going to something like this in late Imperial <laughs> Russia? I don't think so. Fair enough. Well... You know, speaking of Democrat hypocrisy, uh, there was a report um, that was, I think it was either, it was, I saw it both in BuzzFeed and in the New York Post. So whichever one recorded or reported it first, but it was over uh, Representative Jayapal. And apparently there's been over 14 former staffers that have come out and detailed the abuse that they've gone through uh, working for Representative Jayapal. Uh, but it just, <laughs> I'm of, I'm of two opinions on this, uh, uh, on this subject in particular, because part of me wonders how do all these progressive, quote unquote, progressive champions and champions of the working class could be so horrible to, their, to the actual people who work for them. Um, of course, referencing uh, Amy Klobuchar, there are reports, um, I think we talked about this earlier, of uh, Kamala Harris mistreating her staff, and now Representative Jayapal um, joins that list. But I wonder, like, is it is it them and they're that horrible and that tone deaf, or are there staffers? Because all of their staffers have to be like, you know, liberal snowflakes. So could it just be the fact that every one of them there is just? You're really calling these kids low, uh, working class? I mean, you look at the majority of Hill staffers, especially even for the Democrats. I mean, they're pretty privileged kids to begin with. This is no, like, you know, um, you know, iron factory worker or shipbuilder or something. But still, you know, it's never nice to uh, go and I mean, I'm not talking, I'm not saying that they all are well, this. I think, the, I think the broader point is that at the same, and going back to hypocrisy, because yeah. that's the whole theme here, is that you can't simultaneously be a, a champion of workers' rights and trying right. to do all of these things and and trying to claim that you're, you know, you're here for the workers and you're trying to make the workers' lives better and simultaneously be mistreating your own employees, right? Like, that, I think that's the issue here and that, mm. that, that's the apparent hypocrisy. 
wasn't it on the Sanders campaign in uh, 2020 for the Democrat primary? I think it was on one of the really progressive campaigns mm -hmm. where the uh, the campaign staff came to, together to try to unionize. Yes, and yes, like, it was. It, which is when where I'm going with this is that that's just not the nature of this kind of work. Obviously, right. you don't want anyone getting abused, but like these are tough environments to work in. And what's even this is politics? This isn't the you know. Yeah. But what's even funnier about that entire scenario with the uh, the Sanders campaign is that. Uh, basically, they then went in and, and tried to bust that union. You know, this, yeah. all of this stuff about you know, uh, you know how awful um, these companies are for not wanting unions. And then when that when it comes full circle and your workers want to unionize, um, you do everything you can to stop it. And the other the other thing that happened, uh, I can't remember exactly which campaign this was, um, but it was in that presidential season where um, somebody had come out very strong against um, getting rid of unpaid internships. And then it very quickly became apparent that they were not paying the vast majority of their volunteers and interns. And, you know, it's, it's just this, this idea that uh, rules for thee and not for we. And that's, that's primarily what you're seeing from a lot of these, uh, you know, these members. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and if, well, since you brought up the idea of rules, um, we, last week's recording happened before uh, Biden announced his vaccine mandate. Um, and now, Companies over 100 employees will now have to have all of their employees uh, vaccinated. Uh, Luke, what's going on with this? Like, will there be, like, can there be a common period for folks to engage on? Or is it just kind of set in stone? Is there a clock that's attached to it? What's happening? So unfortunately not. So the way that this is working is, is that this is OSHA guidelines. You know, the, the people that... Uh, make the rules for how employees should be treated and all that um, that jazz that they're the ones that are doing this and they've been directed it hasn't actually come out yet mm -hmm. uh, but they've been directed to do this and there's two parts of it uh, the first part is the the federal employees and pretty much everyone agrees that uh, we might disagree with uh, the outcome of this we might disagree with the mandate but the president does have this authority. He ultimately is basically for, the boss for for federal employees. Let's make that clear. Uh, now, for uh, for private businesses, um, there's there's a little bit more of a question, but it does appear to uh, appear to be that OSHA does actually have this uh, this capacity. They can make this mandate, um, but the problem is is the way in which they're doing it. They're doing it through a, a, basically an emergency directive. So one of the things that we saw throughout the COVID, um, uh, you know, even c continuing till now is this complete abuse of emergency powers. And these emergency powers are supposed to be very temporary. Um, they're supposed to be used very sparingly, uh, but that's the exact opposite of what happened. And, you know, we were talking about power corrupting earlier, that that's what happened here, is once people tend get those emergency powers, they tend to want to use them. And I think that that's uh, really what's going on here. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just so weird to see because... Um, to me, the big issue is that the vast majority of America at this point has uh, been vaccinated or is in the process of being vaccinated. If you look at the numbers, you know, it really is most of America. Um, but there are, there are, you know, those holdout communities, specifically rural communities and inner city minority communities. Um, but both of those communities have a strong uh, and justifiable distrust of government and distrust of authority. Um, and so I, I really do think at the end of the day that these mandates are going to be entirely counterproductive um, because there's nothing that those communities that have an inherent distrust of the government 
hate more than the federal government coming in and mandating something like this. If you haven't gotten the vaccine up until this point, you probably have a pretty good internalized reason for doing so. Um, and so that's, that's the ultimate issue here is I think it's going to bounce back. I think it's going to be entirely counterproductive um, because people are just going to end up leaving their jobs, um, being unemployed, trying to find other positions rather than it having the effect that they want it to, which is for people to get more vaccinated. I actually uh, kind of disagree with you on one of those things that uh, it's counterproductive. It may be very productive, actually, to mandate this for federal employees, because this might be one of the only ways we're ever actually going to shrink the federal <laughs> workforce is by mandating them to get vaccines. And you're going to see a bunch of people leave over that. I mean, yeah, that's one of the only ways this is actually going to happen, you know, in the end here. Obviously, you know, I'm not for, uh, you know, forcing anyone right, to right, want right. to, but also, I'm, you know, but I think, you know, joking. being vaccinated is a fine thing to do. But this is actually one of the only ways that we'll ever shrink the size of government. No, no. You know, but it's a PR mess for the Biden administration. I mean, they love to turn their feet into hamburgers at every every move. But <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. You know, but you know, we we're talking about the federal workforce and stuff, and you know, obeying rules and chains of command and stuff, which brings us to uh, General Milley. So, what a man! Let's talk about General Milley. Uh, General Milley, uh, the mastermind behind the abandonment of the Bagram Airport, or air, yeah, airport, um, also apparently in Bob Woodward's newest book, um, there are reports that says that he was going to alert the Chinese um, if Trump was going to nuke them, which sounds to me. Like, Remember how the news cycle was about Iran with Trump as president and how it was like, oh, my God, we're going to go to war with Iran. Yeah, World War Three. I remember, I don't those. remember the whole World War Three thing about China. And here we have a U.S. general going behind the president's back going, right. and going, you know, unilaterally to talk to his, um, his counterpart with the Chinese military about mm -hmm. this stuff. Treason? Certainly should be, or at least certainly mm -hmm. should be looked at. I know that Marco Rubio and uh, Rand Paul, strange bedfellows for sure. Definitely. Um, whenever they wind up on the same side of a debate so, stage, right? Well, <laughs> debate stage, but also a uh, you know an issue surround or involving national security. Maybe want to take a look at that, but well, I, you know, I'm not sure that I would go so far as to call it treason. I think that's a that's a big word to be throwing around. But I think the the well, bigger issue here is the question. <laughs> okay, well. But the bigger issue here is, you know, it's it's people acting independent of uh, the, the chain of command, especially with the military. It's very uh, right. supposed to be civilian control. Right. And I think that that like that is ultimately the, the problem here is that basically this is a, a general that's going AWOL doing what um, he perceives to be the right thing, irrelevant of whether or not it's really the right thing or irrelevant of whether there's been any discussion of what to be what should be done and completely uh, against any directive that was given. And, you know, I think I've seen uh, people floating around asking whether or not General Milley should be fired. Um, and I think that when you take all of these circumstances together, you know, if you look at um, the situation with, with the Chinese counterparts, you look at the complete boondoggle that was the Afghanistan withdrawal, um, mm -hmm. and you look at his career, he's clearly just not a, that effective of a general. Um, you know, uh, I, I you know I don't pretend to be any expert in, in military matters or military right, chains right. of command. 
Um, but I think this definitely is worth a very serious review by the DOD, you know, especially when it, when you're coming out and saying these things in a widely published book, right? right. This is, it, he's trying to save face. He's trying to make himself into a, a political operative with this. And well, I think that's something that- political operative. All these guys are politicized. Right, but that's something that the DOD should, you know, weed out and completely discourage. Um, rather than just kind of sitting on their hands and, and letting the way it that they're going to end up walking this back is obviously because it's another Woodward book. Right. That thing is like sensational. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you can't take everything in that at, at face value, in fairness to Millie. Mm -hmm. But what he, the way he can get out of this is be like, oh, well, I just, you know, I hyped myself up in the book and said I was doing more than I was supposed to. Now that you're seeing the people right. are like raising concerns about this. I think that's a way for him to get out. I mean, of either that or you can say it was taken out of context or I said, posted it as a hypothetical or something. I wasn't really saving the day. Right, it'll right. It'll be very interesting to see if this was, you know, when, I don't know if Woodward's book has come out yet. I certainly haven't read it. Yeah. But it'd be, it'll be very interesting to see whether or not this is, as you said, you know, a direct quote that was taken directly from him. From that one was, of the 200 anonymous sources or so. Yeah. Or if this is just kind of more hearsay, um, which, you know, yeah, it is. A, it is a Bob Woodward book. He's so. clearly a political. Uh, he's a political actor here. Remember Absolutely. How in? Um, he was the same guy who was right next to Trump when he when they went across Lafayette Park after the Black Lives Matter protesters rioters yes. burned down the uh, the church on the other side of the park mm -hmm. because you know that's what they do. And for the photo op, remember that? And right. was the whole thing where it's like, oh my gosh, Trump ordered them to be dispersed with tear gas, right? Which was you know everyone talking about that at the time turned out to be not even trump's call to do that mm -hmm. not not related at all but you heard about that oh you know after the election millie was there and he went and apologized for being in the photo op there mm -hmm. this guy sways he's a perfectly oiled he's uh, a political, political opportunist yeah wind wind vane you know he's doing whatever he wants this dude's political at most and you can't really take people like that seriously because they have no integrity i'm gonna use a, a phrase that i heard in reference to uh, a certain senator who shall remain unnamed uh, he's a political pilot fish. He goes whichever direction the biggest fish is going in that in that particular moment, uh, and clearly just goes wherever the wind blows. Well, last thing on so Rubio or Lindsey Graham. Oh, uh, comment below and, and tell us which senator you think I'm referring to. <laughs> can you put a poll if, you, if you Google it, you can probably find. I think it was posted in Politico. Yeah, but. Um, you know, last thing I'll say about Millie is if you really agreed with an order or something, he should have done what General Mattis did and just resign. Because mm. that's what you're supposed to do whenever it comes to those kind of changes. If you really disagree with what you're being ordered to do, resign. Well, the fact that we've seen no reservation, I mean, our, our resignation, not our reservation, but that's right. Um, uh, that we haven't seen any resignations for Afghanistan it means that they're fine with it. They don't really care about the fallout. Oh, absolutely. You know, fine with Americans getting killed. Fine with uh, you know people who help us getting killed on the runway there, but no resignations. Well, speaking of government bureaucrats that should be fired, uh, let's talk about Dr. Anthony Fauci, the sexiest man alive. That's exactly what I wanted to bring up. Uh, the British news newspaper magazine, Guardian, the Guardian. Uh, declared that Dr. Anthony Fauci was the sexiest man alive, which brings this whole worship of government bureaucrats to a new disgusting level. We see it all the time in D.C. I mean, you go to oh, shop, you've got yes. murals of RBG with like 
face tats and stuff. Mm -hmm. A little cringe, if you ask me. You know, I don't. The know. prayer candles is where it would really freaks me out. Is <laughs> like whenever uh, I think it was Gretchen Whitmer had Stacey Abrams prayer candles, uh, and I think it was I forget what. It was after the Georgia Senate elections. Mm -hmm. um, Talking about people who complain about the result of an election. Right, like, right. Who, for literally unsubstantiated statements saying the election was stolen from her time and time again. And she's on MSNBC every week. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, of course, you can't question election results whenever Democrats win, but only when Republicans win. Then, then you're crazy for questioning. Well, you know, I, we've talked a lot about Fauci. Don't really want to belabor this point too much because I think you both said amazing things. All I will say is that objectively, Anthony Fauci is not the sexiest man alive. I think anyone can look at a picture of Anthony Fauci and can tell you that he is not the sexiest man alive. So yeah. I, that's very interesting that that's, you know, we can, uh, you know, Time just released their, their 100, uh, you know, 100 best people or 100 greatest people or 100 most powerful people or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I, can, I can understand that. You know, Anthony Fauci being on a list of powerful people. Right. Influential, for sure. But sexy? No. Not sure he fits that criteria. <laughs> I mean, with the uh, you know, downfall of Cuomo, all the homosexuals. I think they. Uh, That's very true. They need. They're looking for their second best option. He was probably runner up in the poll or something, probably a Twitter <laughs> poll or something, of course. Uh, and uh, they had to find someone to go in there instead, seeing as they can't, you know, they can't use Me Too people anymore, or people who killed Grandma, literally. Yep. Yep. Well, the la last subject that I want to touch on today, and we talked about our, uh, we talked about China. General Milley, but if the Democrats get all the tax hikes that they want in the upcoming reconciliation bill, they would raise our corporate tax our, our corporate tax rate higher than communist China. And uh, if we want to talk about hypocrisy and broken promises, Biden always said that you know the middle class wasn't going to see a dime of tax increases. But now, if you raise if you make over fifty thousand dollars. They're going to get a tax hike. Well, the, uh, the Tax Foundation released a report uh, a few days ago uh, that basically found that an effective tax rate with everything that happens the way that President Biden wants it to and the way that the House Democrats want it to, uh, America would suddenly have the third highest tax rate in the entire world, which is just absolutely mind-boggling when you look at how, Europe, how much Europe taxes um, mm -hmm. their citizens. And so, you know, it's absolutely yeah. devastating. Can you recall who the first was? Well, no, I can't. I, That'd I be don't remember. With highest. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the other thing is is that, you know, this entire time, uh, even on the campaign trail and even before that, um, this uh, you know going back to AOC and the idea of tax the rich, that's been their rallying cry for years now. Is we're going to raise taxes on the wealthy, the middle class. You don't need to worry. Um, and you know, people that understood economics, understood all of that, realized. That's not the case. It's never the case. Any time that you do major spending increases, uh, you have to, if you want to raise that revenue, you're going to have to increase taxes on the middle class. Uh, and so I don't know if this was a bold-faced lie from the beginning or if they just have finally come to realize that their, their plans are absolutely exorbitant. And, of course, 
the the answer to this is to not spend so much, right? right? The answer is not to raise taxes on everybody. The answer is to just not pass three and a half trillion dollars in spending, which to me is a pretty easy thing to do, to not spend that much money. Trillions and trillions of dollars. It's, it's crazy. Like, I remember whenever I first started here at FreedomWorks, we were freaking out over uh, billions of dollars in spending. Gosh, what do we wish to go back to those days where, you know, uh, an omnibus spending bill was only a couple billion dollars? Oh, well, yeah. it's probably why uh, inflation has jumped to 5.3% um, from this time last year. Well, folks, uh, looks like we're running out of time. I'm getting the, getting the signal that, uh, you know, it's time to go home. So, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, remember to download, like, and subscribe. And if you didn't like this episode, please pardon the disruption. No, get those lights off. Off. Chocolate, chocolate chip. Well, that hurts my feelings. Please clap. <laughs>